0: Time that somebody who chronically undervalues themselves, something that could be construed as having a any confidence at all, we have to take those people down. Because <laughs> I'm well, one I know of
1: them. You two are highly attracted to the uh, the broken and the, the easily.
0: <laughs> Roma, you were just on the cusp of saying something. Um,
2: I'm going to keep it to myself. No, I'm kidding. That I, I just realized I there's another book that only I and Braden read. Godzilla rivals Godzilla mm-hmm. versus Mothra. I gave it a nine. Nice.
1: I did not see any copies of that. I would have taken it home. We We
0: only had one. Yeah, we
2: only had one. And I, I read Braden's copy.
1: Jeff, you look concerned.
0: Oh, no. I just got a message that somebody was trying to sell, like in my friend group, is trying to sell some Seahawks tickets for tomorrow. And I was oh. like, oh, shit. But I got too many plans. Danny and Kelly are coming to stay with us tomorrow for a couple Aww. of nights, which is cool.
1: Exciting. Um, but we, don't,
0: we haven't had house guests except for like Sam's parents ever. So we've been cleaning up and trying to fix all of our broken shit and move our cat <laughs> stuff around. I've still got a bunch of boxes of dad stuff I haven't resolved yet because it's been so busy. But yeah.
2: Somebody's child that was nice and depressing
0: oh that poor rhino yep oh didn't get to it <laughs> 200 what
2: 40th yeah Did two and a half die?
0: months away from 250 which is when i would have loved to have gotten us all eating gooey duck together but i don't know
1: oh, yeah <laughs> i will not be on that episode oh
0: yes you will family member of this it's just a clam oh. It's just a clam
1: oh but i don't i like the little clams i don't like razor clams i don't like anything it's too chewy mm-hmm.
0: i do think yeah, that it's chewy the, and rubbery i, I don't think, like them i think <laughs> that i don't think it is a, if a bit that we're doing because we think we're all gonna like the flavor <laughs> yeah. i think it's because roman has this gooey duck thing that's been going for years now and i think that we have to i think we're backed into a gooey corner
1: I learned a long time ago you, know, you don't use your teeth when you're putting a gooey duck in your mouth.
0: So that is so dirty, Colette. <laughs> gross. You are an inappropriate maiden. You are, you are.
1: See, you don't want me in the gooey duck episode. Just, I'm just
0: as bad as
1: part of it right now. <laughs>
0: um i want a whole episode of that ew god (laughs) (laughs) on that note welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast episode 240 on that note no one knows what note that was but for (laughs) andrew who's listening and editing this you'll know that it really wasn't a great note to have gone into a podcast on which brings me to my very first point andrew carlson editor of the show eots um Thank you for editing the last several episodes and for being our editor. And we're so happy to have you aboard. You're listening to the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, 240. Like we said, it's the Pacific Northwest premier pop culture podcast. Something I like to say only because of the number of Ps in it. I'm Jeff.
1: I'm Colette. I'm Roman.
0: And we are three people with generally low (laughs) self-esteem. like this is a group of three people with pretty low self-esteem i like i like to have us three together because like let's pretend today that we all have the egos of django what do you think
1: oh god i oh. think that would break me wow. yeah. i don't know how to handle that kind of self-confidence i don't know
0: yeah no we we none of us could
2: even possibly know okay okay i have a lot to say about that but first i've got this anecdote to tell you about that <laughs> you probably it's, told it's, us it's, several it's, times yeah it's, it's gonna be fantastic it's gonna be so funny okay here we go fart oh i was being Django.
0: <laughs> that was good that was a good bit you took that guy down a peg or two just then we uh, um. none of
1: us know how to be as confident as Django, but we do know how to process emotions uh a whole yeah. lot more than some. We're like the the my name
0: sad was. little barnacles on the chin of a giant great whale, you know? <laughs> we have all the emotional concentration and fortitude, but we have to latch on to a giant mother whale like Django.
2: He's diving and sounding so fast. Oh, we've got to hang on, just hang on.
0: <laughs> it's a comic show. That's right. You guessed it. It's three people with low self-esteem talking about comic books and that's how we get our rocks off. You're right. We're going to talk about comics and Before I tell you about the books that we're going to be talking about this week, which you should be very excited about, I'm going to get to a little bit of listener mail from my co-host on a sister podcast, the Ted Lasbros, (laughs) Will Elmer. I am here once again to wish you a happy episode 240, only 10 more episodes until a milestone of 250. Speaking of milestones and 240 facts, Uncanny X-Men 240 was the start of the original Inferno storyline. And in that note... We are approaching a new Inferno, yet another recycled event name, which leads me to my question this week. In general, what are your thoughts on recycled and reused naming conventions used by the big two? Is it an infinite crisis of laziness? Is it a cunning business tactic? Or is it a clever way to pay deference and homage to the stories of the past and the shoulders of the giants we are standing on? Keep on being super fantastic. Will. P.S. Any thoughts on shang Chi? or the first few episodes of Why the Last Man. I don't personally have any problems with recycling names for events outside of the fact that it starts to get a little bit confusing. I would say at, like, at this point with DC, you can't say like the big crisis or something because like there's been like five or seven crises. Um, I don't know, like Secret War. I, yeah, I don't know. What do you two think? Um,
1: I oh, go ahead. I don't care as a lover of comics, of a reader of comics as long as the name recycling has some sort of a connection to the old one. But as someone who has to look shit up on a regular, it makes me insane.
0: (laughs) Yeah, database wise, you're right. That's a really good point. You can't just type Secret War because you've got eight issues from 10 different series at this point.
1: Sorting comics back issues with 20 different x-men titles with the exact same name with the same event thing or one letter different or whatever or not being a longtime dc fan trying to separate out all the crises it's not fun
0: i (laughs) bet roman's got a map of it all
2: i often think not quite i often think we should just have like one long box that's like just labeled dc crisis events Boom. there you go <laughs> <laughs>
0: dig through of, it at your leisure one of my favorite things is happening right now and it's that Roman's headphones are slowly slipping <laughs> forward are they again And uh, it's, it's a crisis of ones. infinite headphones <laughs> <laughs> Um, I will say that I saw, saw Shang-Chi and I liked it quite a bit Um, I like that we're at a spot with these Marvel movies where we can be telling kind of almost genre like stories and that was a, a good Kung Fu story albeit Kung Fu not necessarily one of my favorite types of things to engage in. That being said, I do love some of it. Love and Wu-Tang season two uh, and love and um, firepower. Obviously I haven't watched why the last man. I don't know that I'm going to, what do y'all think about that?
2: I'm going to watch it, but yeah, I haven't started that or seen uh Shang-Chi yet. I thought about watching the Kung Fu remake of the t- old TV series. That's on that. I want to see
0: CW or something. I've it, never isn't seen it
2: them. HBO. Or HBO. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's one of those. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. That's probably that's probably yeah. time to get into the old the old uh the milk of the episode. I don't know why I said milk.
2: <laughs> You're not gonna watch Why the Last Man? I'm I, curious uh, about it.
0: I don't have a ton of interest in getting into bed with these sort of like long running remakes of comic book shows. So like The Walking Dead or Preacher. Or why the last man, or shows that could conceivably go Invincible. for many seasons. Invincible is the one kind of difference, and I, I think it's partially because it is so loyal to the subject matter, while also just being you know, a tiny bit different. But the music is great, the voice acting is great. Like, um, I, I don't know. And also, I think a big part of that is that Sam also enjoys it. I don't know. I just, um, the kind of like serious drama stories. I don't have a ton of interest in right now not I I support everybody doing it but I've read that book I like that book um but yeah I don't know yeah I'm curious what Will thinks of it for instance um Mm -hmm.
1: I'll probably I only just remembered that it had started well I'll definitely try it um I didn't really like the book like I didn't think it was bad by any means but it just wasn't the kind of story I enjoyed um I dropped off pretty early
0: on so Also just so damn mini comic adaptation things at this point. Like Sweet Tooth is another one where I was like, love the book. Don't, I just don't know that I really want to watch a TV version of it.
1: Yeah. I really want to watch that one, Jared. Every time I suggest we watch it, though, he's like, I just don't have the energy to watch a sad kid walking in the woods. Yeah. I'm like, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Which is a great segue, everybody, to our first book of the week. Uh, we're going to be talking about a slew of them. We're going to talk about Primordial number one, Trial of Magento number two, Rorschunk number 12, Maw number one. Harley Quinn: The Eat, Bang, Kill Tour. We're gonna have a little Fantastic Four spot with Life Story Number Four and the Big Six Issue Six Six Hundred. Okay, 60th okay, Sixtieth anniversary. anniversary. Yeah. Okay, there's a lot of different numbers. It's like Issue Thirty Five <laughs> of this series, but it's confusing. And then I'm yeah. gonna talk. Briefly about Hellboy and the BPRD, nineteen fifty-seven family ties, but and,
2: and Pennyworth, I think is. Oh yes, one.
0: sorry, thank you, Pennyworth. I don't have those ones with me, but we're going to talk about Pennyworth one and two. Um, the segue was coming from talking about Sweet Tooth, and we'll talk about Primordial Number no. One now, which is written by Jeff Lemire, the writer of Sweet Tooth, with art by Andrea Sorrentino and colors by Dave Stewart. I just hoped that the monkey was going to be okay. And spoilers, everyone, it seems like the monkey's all right.
1: Monkey's all right, man.
0: Monkey's all right. right. Nobody knows but me and my monkey. (laughs) What did you all think of Primordial number one? Same team as Gideon Falls. So this is kind of following up on that Gideon Falls book, which uh, we all at our store were big fans of, the book club read. Um, We did a thing on the final volume of that. So this one was pretty hotly anticipated, maybe even more so than Lemire's other book from last week, which was May's book.
2: Yeah, I loved this. I, I mean, it it got me right away because I love this kind of story, like you know, kind of like Manhattan Projects, except this was this is much more serious and focused on just one one aspect, and the art is so cool, Mm -hmm. the way it's as usual all the stuff he does panels and everything and i'm a sucker for like oh kind of a what if story about what happened to these famous test animals
0: (laughs) yeah i i also really liked it i gave it a high score i won't divulge what it was quite yet but uh yeah it's it's sort of like you're right kind of like manhattan projects mixed with department of truth or something and i I love a conspiracy story and this one just down to the oh i mean i guess recap everybody it's yeah it's the idea of in 61 no in 59 when the rockets went off and we had some monkeys in there um abel and baker and abel baker and abel um those monkeys that died what if they maybe didn't die and something happened and there's some great sorrentino-esque art you got a three-dimensional representation of the dark side of the moon cover that was pretty cool um yeah. Colette, I don't know. What did you think? What was this? Was this right up your alley, not up your alley, tangent of your alley? I'm gonna stop talking about your alley.
1: <laughs> um popular alley. No, <laughs> oh uh, yeah,
0: it is. You know how hard <laughs> it is to get a ticket to that alley? That was a weird um, thing to say.
1: Yep, yep. Let's steer away Moving from that. On. I took us there and I'm gonna take us right back away <laughs> from it. Um, I really liked this. I liked it a lot. Um, I I I liked it better than Gideon Falls. Number Ooh. one, actually, I, um, and I liked that going in, it didn't feel like that book, like you get the same team together on a thing, sometimes, especially with the art, it's you kind of slip into the same mood as the one that you read and liked before. But this definitely has a very different feel to it, even though it's that familiar team. And, um, and I really liked it. I did the like first third of it, I always have this problem when I'm reading a book that's based out of a historical period. Especially if it's kind of changing things or whatever, where I, I start getting in my head of, am I remembering this wrong, or do I not know about this? or is this intentionally vague? or is this different than the? And like I stopped mid a little way in and I had to Google something just because about the space program because I was like, wait, when did this happen? is the this Kennedy
0: not- Kennedy Nixon thing. I was that- like, wait, which Kennedy is did this happen? Is this how this actually went to Kennedy once
1: we got to that, that was when I finally like, okay. Okay, we're alternate timeline. Yeah, I get what. So it is an
0: thing. alternate time. Like it's was that? So, I couldn't remember if that's so Kennedy's
1: if brother. Stop, no, that's John F. Kennedy. So what if we stopped the space program after we sent these monkeys into space long before Apollo One or anything like that? Because this crazy thing happened to the animals that we sent to space, and um, if we didn't have the space race, like who who would have won the election and all the like? Like the whole concept of the what if show or anything, but with history and these more like really tangible that like I know I had a history teacher years ago that said he went to a symposium of of history professors and they just all would get together and they would have a uh, someone would propose a, a important but seemingly small event in history. And they would all just sit there and discuss what history would have ended up being if that one little thing had been different.
0: That rules yeah I would love to listen to a bunch of history professors talk about that
1: yeah so so this is kind of that kind of thing with cool creepy extraterrestrial something and and the space race and conspiracy and um I'm so glad that that I
0: knew that because I needed that and I didn't know that this was an alternate timeline until you just said that so Colette saves the day
1: <laughs> it was correct up until they shuttered the space program after those okay. monkeys and um, once I figured out that it was supposed to be big and weird and you were supposed to be confused then I, I really got into it and really enjoyed it. i I really liked uh Andreas Sorrentino's art in this one. it felt different enough from what I'm used to of his stuff and
2: yeah um,
0: yeah there incredible room. What were you just gonna say, baby?
2: Well, that, that's what I was wondering, too, because and I <clears throat> I was too lazy to Google anything. But um, I was wondering, because I was thinking that's a narrow window, because didn't Kennedy, um, I was trying to remember, didn't he revitalize the, the space program once he was in office? So I was thinking, so there was like a three year period there where it almost came into an end. And so did Russia's. Was that true? Yeah, <laughs> like the Russian program ending with Leica?
0: Yeah, and I think, Colette, your point, is is really valid like when you get a same creative team doing a book how often it can feel really similar and i would say that the only thing that felt similar in this is just that uh sorrentino's art has the ability to really play with the medium and it feels like we're doing it like similarly exploring the the possibilities of the medium within this panels doing all sorts of crazy stuff
1: those last three pages where it's completely different art than we're used to from him um was really cool to me and i'm i'm really hopeful that we're gonna see a lot more of that in future issues too mixed in we're so used to seeing his his digital stuff which is amazing but i like seeing the the pencil it reminds me of um oh gosh i don't remember his name uh never mind i'm not even gonna try peter
0: kowalski a little in my mind the guy Mm -hmm. from sex when he turned like sorrentino with the lights on you know like he always Mm -hmm. there was some gideon falls stuff it's always very very shocking. Gosh, Roman, uh, did you like the Pink Floyd page? I just love seeing Sorrentino after Pink Floyd and Thorgerson.
2: Uh, yeah, that was very cool. That was also unexpected. You usually don't see an homage like that, like in the middle toward the end of a comic, right. usually on mm-hmm. the cover of the splash page. Yeah. That was cool. And that, and I and I also love that <clears throat> last sequence with the Abel and Baker in this, wherever they are, this other dimension or whatever. Just because the way their body language and the way the perspective changes with like with one monkey looking at the other monkey and then looking at this object and then and, and basically them talking to each other <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's a really good point i i was stunned by like the difference in the body language and being able to discern the difference in the two different types of monkey mm-hmm, like I, yeah. I loved that i also just love animals uh it's, it's always a big old win for me
2: yeah when they we're showing the scenes where they launch these two into space, and <clears throat> the artwork there. And, I, <laughs> and even though we know about this historical fact, but just reading those panels, I was like, "Oh, poor monkeys! They must be terrified." Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go up to a from a nine to a nine point five with this one, and that difference is primarily based on Colette cracking the stone open for me, and and realizing this is an alternate timeline. Because I was just sort of like, "Oh, okay," like I guess that at some point, some part of the space program closed and this is that department of it but knowing that like the entire thing was shuttered and everything that that really helps me enjoy it even more so 9.5 for this old boy 10 for me
1: I'm a, I think I hadn't, oh, I only put down an eight. I'm going to go for a nine.
0: Yeah. I made a
1: list this time, guys.
0: Roman we'll has different. left a lasting impact on all of us. Roman's list has now become the name of the game. In fact, we're starting a new po- podcast <laughs> and it's sure. called Roman's list.
2: I think the it's- only reason I started doing that is because it was your idea for one episode.
0: Yeah, but you that just kept doing do. it in a way that was so inspiring. I also there's some sort of Romans list, Schindler's list joke in there, but I'm not Django. All right, I'm not the clever person who can do that far. So um, let's let's keep going forward with a book. Everyone, everyone knows when it comes to Jeff Figley and Leah Williams. I love the work. Just love the work. Um, It stands on its own. I don't even need to say it at this point. Leah Williams, love the work. Love seeing it. Love getting a book out there uh, and having Leah Williams' name on it. Um, Big fan. I liked this issue, but I was surrounded by a couple people who, like, dropped... Collette, are you okay over (laughs) there, (laughs) buddy? I'm
1: so glad I'm not alone and loving Leah Williams' work. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, I love the work. I mean, like the work stands on its own. I love the work. Um, But if I had to, okay, so spoilers. I'm going to, I gave this one, I see 7.5 on my notes. I'll go up to an eight on it. But I was around both Sean and Roman loved it. And I did not dislike it by any means, but I think I liked the first issue a little bit more. And I'm just curious, you know, having not had a chance to talk to Sean about it yet, or you about it. I'm curious, what was it that like put this in this like, you know kind of favorite book of the week category for you folks gosh
2: um well i apologize because i don't have a copy in front of me and i read it on wednesday morning so let's remember see that. why i cute. liked
0: it so much <laughs> um i can toss some things at you um yeah yeah we get sort of the avengers showing up on the island uh with vision and some of the mutants console them we've got a bit where we've got charles xavier and hope are inside magneto's brain kind of trying to force some truths out of it um I was a little bit confused on the motivations of sort of hope and like why we're hiding bodies from certain, like, I, I just wasn't, I also woke it up from my nap and read this today. So I was maybe a little bit foggy there. I did think there was some good interactions between cap and the other folks. I liked that. Um, And then Magneto shows up and is very angry that the Avengers were on the island. And now he's confessing to having killed Scarlet witch, but then she shows up. And it's like, on you're wrong on several points, actually. And the reveal is that she's alive and she's been kind of like re, reborn by magic, which has a life of its own. Um, and there's a great page kiss with uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch to end the yeah. issue.
2: And reborn by magic, the concept, not, not magic, the character. character. Good distinction. Yeah. Good <laughs> distinction.
0: Um,
2: <clears throat> yeah, and I yeah I don't think I quite know what's up with Hope exactly either. But I really loved the stuff with Cap. I really loved that Kind of in that one panel, Mag- Magneto- to my read of it was that oh he's just been saying that and he's saying now that he killed her because he's trying to cover up whatever the truth is about her because i don't know if he knew she was back or sensed it or if it was a total surprise to him but i think he was trying to cover for her on some level
0: or maybe he knows who murdered her and he doesn't want non-mutants to know because maybe it exposes a secret or yeah, person on the island yeah. or something okay yeah
2: i liked all the kind of hints of glimpses of family dynamics we had with uh there was a great moment with um oh um um quicksilver uh wanda's brother um great moment with him and cap and actually where quicksilver is his usual self and like angrily lashes out at somebody and cap just says some like three or four sentences that makes quicksilver start to cry and he zooms off in the corner because he doesn't want everybody to see him crying that
0: was a good moment
2: yeah and then Northstar zooms over to like ask him you okay and then he gives him a hug and it's like two characters that are so brash and arrogant and they never hug and here they are it's such a great moment that we've got a favorite moment of the book
0: we've got a loop in uh, just colette's facial interactions <laughs> for, like facial expressions for this since the moment leah williams name was mentioned colette has had uh, just a sort of s- stunned look on her face what up dude
1: oh i i i'm I'm really sad we didn't have any copies for me to read of this, oh. that it was supposedly so good, because I have... I mean, I didn't That's dislike... what the facial
0: expression is. You haven't had a chance to read it. I forgot that. Well, I that. didn't I...
1: dislike the last one, but I can't say that I loved it either, and I can't say I cared for any of the X Factor that I read whatsoever, <laughs> so... Whoa!
0: You you don't love the work? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little uh intrigued and surprised and uh slight bit baffled but also excited to find out what roman loves so much when i can get my hands on a copy
0: um sean also i think it was his pick of the week yeah yeah yeah, i saw that too
1: i was um you know when there's something you don't love but other people around you that you care about are like talking about how great it is i I tend to sometimes kind of just avoid it because i don't want to (laughs) like then really dislike it and like what if it comes up in conversation it's so much easier to be Uh, like i didn't read it
0: yeah Uh, i just don't like your taste in things uh,
1: (laughs) i'm really glad you liked it
2: (laughs) (laughs) i didn't expect to like it so much first or second issues because i like i really like the original Trial of Magneto story with Kitty Pride back in the day. Um, and it was very more touching on real world political stuff with the Holocaust and everything. And this is a very personal. Well, of course, that was personal because Magneto was in the camps. But this is a very personal, just Krakowian thing, but involves the Avengers because she was an Avenger and the family relations between Wanda and the Vision and Magneto and Wanda and Quicksilver and Polaris. And, <laughs> and it's just—it's—it's it's really fun.
0: It is fun. I and I—I I love X Men books. Um. So Roman, you gave it the the geoduck, as far as I know. I did. I gave it a gooey. Gooey. I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm Big gonna go. Tetrasoy gooey. Ooh. The <laughs> visions of gooey ducks dancing through my head. Um. Okay. Well there's an argument to be made for the biggest release of this book this week being Rorschach number 12. And are we sad to be talking about it without Django? Yeah. Are we not going to talk about it? No, we're going to talk about it because if we don't talk about it now, who knows if we'll remember to talk about it another time. That's more of a statement about me than anything. Um, my brain's like a little gooey duck's brain. Don't use your teeth. I've heard. <laughs> um, so obviously this is the final issue of Tom King and Jorge. Fornes, I had to make sure I remembered that correctly um their 12 issue Rorschach series and I had not read issue 11 and I read them back to back today which is this is a good example of books that are dense with lots of words that I love um finished it all off and what I will say is that I look forward to reading it all as a collection because having had two months off since I had read 10 because I had not read 11 we start 11 with some names getting thrown around I was like oh right these are names and there's affiliations and elite alliances and I don't 100% remember all of those but I would say by two-thirds of the way through 11 I kind of remembered stuff and then it was nice to have read 11 and 12 back to back. Cause I think it made 12 hit a little bit harder, but I'm just curious. This is the end of a series that's been coming out for a year by some of our favorite creators. What did y'all think? Colette's for everyone who's not watching <laughs> us on YouTube. Um, Colette's making faces again.
1: <laughs> Sorry. I'm so good at, at radio. It's, it's like <laughs> oh, Podcasts are my medium. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck, this was so good. Uh, I, sorry, I don't know if you wanted to talk, Roman, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go. Jump in, um, jump in. I read Eleven earlier this week because I didn't want this to be ending, but I also really with this one, like to sit with an issue a little bit before I read another one. Um, and I read that one and it was one of those, like, Fuck, I have no idea how this is gonna wrap up. And I love detective stories, but I go into a detective story just not expecting a good end. is. I just you just go for the journey. It's cool. The end is probably gonna be a disappointment. And I just I picked up this issue. I was like no fucking clue what's gonna happen here. And as I was reading it, I realized I was actually getting a little like shaky and anxious and not breathing so much. And then it gets to the final kind of reveal of what the story is about and i just was like fuck yeah <laughs> this is so good yeah and then yeah okay i don't know <laughs> i want to like talk <laughs> details but i also like
0: <laughs> yeah i guess like broad spoilers again um we spoil everything on this podcast we're gonna be spoiling the end of a year-long story that has a lot of uh in, you know kind of information around it um i love the journey i love the end of it I do have some questions and I know that it's a book that like much like all of Tom King's work. I think that like you sit with it for a while and you like come back to things that didn't make sense. So you ask questions and have conversations and that kind of makes it all even better. So I have a random question I need to ask everybody, but Mm -hmm. to kind of broad strokes for people who don't care about spoilers and aren't going to read this book. We have a detective that's been hired by a political candidate to investigate an assassination attempt made on that political candidate. And spoilers everyone we learn in this episode or this issue that oh and the big reveals with the (laughs) the assassination attempt was actually originally set up by the person that was targeted by the assassination attempt to make it look like the other guy had done that so that way it would make him look bad and lose an election um that's kind of
1: and we learned all the like the actual secrets in issue 11 right so and i loved that the first page we start off seeing the like the head bodyguard, which we've mm-hmm. just found out was so integral to everything going wrong and right in the assassination attempt getting thwarted and everything, and um, and the detective meets with Turley and has the tape recorder that supposedly has the confession from the girl, and he starts spelling out the story that Turley's campaign wants to be the truth, what they set him up to believe, even though he found out that it was the opposite. And he's sitting there and spelling it out. And it's like, oh, is he just going along with it? Wait, what's, is he pro Turley? What is this going to be? And it turns out the tape recorder has a recording of Turley's speech and he starts fucking murdering him when he plays it. <laughs> and, uh, Fuck, it was that just that page, the above view of yeah. the reveal of the two of them, it, just subtle things like why was he wanting a beer so bad? Why was he so intent on wanting a drink? oh because he needs a weapon because he doesn't have a gun with him like the, the biggest thing for me though the, or the biggest moment was when he gets there uh the assistant has to go get the drinks because his boy couldn't come in because there was a car accident and as the detective is leaving the valet points out that he's got a ding on the or a dent on the front of his car and it's like what's that about that looks recent And the detective says, oh, just a hit and run. He hit the boy.
2: God, I did. Thank you. I didn't even get that.
1: That was that was
2: the piece for me
1: that just went like, perfect. Yes, there.
0: I I loved. Yeah, this series and the questions it brought up and I guess kind of this last act of this the last couple of issues to me, what I like and kind of chose to think was going on is this conversation about the infectious nature of ideas. And mm-hmm. cause kind of ultimately he got infected by this idea of the Rorschach identity and ended up doing what these people wanted to have happen. And um, it, It's just an interesting, you know, wrap up to all these ideas of like, yeah, these Watchmen characters, like they had to go into hiding. But what if they kind of, instead of just being cowards, actually found a way to like distill their essence to be a thing that, you know, does live on through people. And that is essentially what happened with this Rorschach thing. But it's also all built on this erroneous lie that like the squids happened. So like these Rorschach people believe in the squid stuff and reality mm-hmm. Rorschach knew that the squid stuff isn't real. So like just this whole like layered onion of lies and truths and lies. And it's uh I guess, just that part was what was fascinating to me and kind of, you know, I kind of predicted a couple episodes ago that I had thought that he was going to get, you know, infected by the Rorschach virus and, and, you know, do mm-hmm. that. And uh, yeah, I just, I really, I, I, Yeah. It was interesting to watch him kind of fall into that place. And by the end of issue 11, when there's the final pages, him saying Herm and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and then the final panel of him with the shadow from the yeah. movie, making the Rorschach blots yeah. on his face. To me, this was always a study in absolutist thinking mm-hmm. and being so certain of what you believe, what you think could be true, that it has to be true. And there's no other option and that he seems to be the one person that has no preconceived, determined thought on Mm -hmm. anything. He's actually looking at the information that's in front of him and slowly building, and that he seems like the only person that's outside of all of this absolutist um, beliefs and functioning. And then the conversation from issue 11 in his head with these deceased people to then becoming, in a way, doing what, everyone else around him has been doing but
0: yeah I just want to shout out that you your because the question I was going to say is what was the deal with the dent on the car and as soon as you were like brought up the boy I was like oh god that's why that dent was there so that was a great catch on your part um I what I am interested in in going through it again is having a better idea of the people in it and looking at why they're in it like why the Frank Miller character is in this book and mm-hmm. things like that like where the story seems to function totally fine without that. But then what does that inclusion for sure mean? But, you know, also there's this weird meta conversation going on about a world with comic book superheroes and what happens if we chose not to have superheroes. And that's why pirates are such a thing because superheroes were rejected because they did exist. And like you know, I, that's the kind of stuff I'm looking forward to going back through and trying to sort of piece what Tom King was working on. But Roman, I haven't heard anything from you yet, buddy. what did you think of the Rorschung?
2: This comic makes me feel dumb.
0: Oh, <laughs> Roman. I
2: really enjoy it though. But yeah, this, this issue, like, like I also got, I, I need you reading this comic to me.
0: Cause
2: <laughs> yeah, the final panel, I didn't even notice that the shadows oh. that was representing Rorschach. But that was such um, a good touch. But, you know, it occurred to me just now, Jeff, that I, I think maybe the reason Frank Miller was in the comic as a character because is because I think this comic functions as a really good kind of, in a way, homage to Steve Ditko, right mm-hmm. and wrong, because he was such an absolutist. And Frank Miller is kind of like the modern comic book absolutist. That's, mm-hmm. you know, not. Totally a jackass. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, you're right
1: Yeah, I I
0: thought
2: he got better the last few years.
1: Well, it, a little bit. But he did some still... apologizing,
0: but yeah, he did say some. But yeah. that no, that's a great point, Roman. And and again, the whole homage to Ditko in it, like the citizen and the question, like obviously that's this character, you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. But so that I really appreciate. This issue in particular, I, starting right away, I couldn't remember what this head of security, the white-haired guy, I, I couldn't remember why he, he doesn't like the detective. I was confused because I was like, wait, is this Turley? I thought Turley was the guy that in previous, way back and a while ago, was the guy that had the, the big uh admiration for for um, the comedian. comedian.
0: Yeah. yeah,
2: I thought that was Turley. It is, yeah. yeah. this That was just old, younger Turley.
1: No, the, the guy in the, the head of security was he's just got a big stick up his butt because he's full of himself as Truly's head of security but he's the one that shot um the, the kid king. and uh Rorschach's minutes, old guy yeah, yeah, yeah old guy uh on the catwalk he was the one in issue the last issue that we find out was actually the contact for the guy that got them the passes.
2: Oh, right. With the Alan, beeper
1: yeah. and everything that he was the one that it was actually him from the Turley campaign that set things up and the supposed phone call that the assistant made when she mm-hmm. alerted them to this plot. It was actually him seeing oh, two okay. people that met
2: the description. And so that's why he hates the detective because the detective's figuring it all out.
1: Mm-hmm. And he's also just, you know, a stick up his butt yeah. and hit a security yeah.
2: asshole who
1: yeah. wants to have a power trip and yeah. thinks that, you know, he's, you know, when he switches to, uh, he says, you figured it all out. Or look at you, you figured it all out to the detective when he says mm-hmm. what he's claiming is on the cassette tape. I think, too, it's that just like, he probably had a little bit of nerves that maybe exactly. the detective would figure yeah. out the actual thing and not the story they wanted him to but it's like oh good you are the idiot you're supposed to be
0: yeah (laughs) yeah I had it at 9.5 I'm going 10 on it and I just you know the the only hesitation I had was that I thinking about a month-to-month publication of a comic book I think that this book well I loved the time to think about and have conversations with people um Reading it all together, I think will be a very different experience Mm -hmm. and will, you know, and I don't want to think it's less than for that. But I I would say that there was like, you know, a lot of names flying at you in a way that I admire Tom King's conception for the whole thing as he was writing it. Because it's, you know, I would need a, I literally would need a visual diagram to kind of draw this whole thing out.
1: I remember when he announced it, he said that it was, by far the most ambitious thing he's ever tried to accomplish and yeah it's a lot i if i was someone who didn't have so many comics i needed to be reading every week this would be one that i would have loved to read when it came out and then reread before the next one came out Mm. and had that kind of effect of it but
0: and seeing like Predicting that is actually why I waited on eleven. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was just like I'm gonna want to read. Like I, I want to finish this series having some momentum of being in the story. Yeah. So, Claire, what was your score?
1: Oh, it was fucking ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking give it twelve. Default to the
2: full,
0: to
1: full oh. series.
2: <laughs> Rome skunk. Uh, I give it a I give it a nine, and it maybe it deserves more, but I give it a nine because of my confusion, mm. which is totally because it's so long between issues. <laughs>
0: So I'm excited to talk about this next one because from the little bit I've gleaned from folks, yeah. um, I think we're going to have some differing opinions on it. So this is Maw, number one, uh, Jude Ellison Doyle. I forget what the S stands for, but I was looking into them a little bit and they're a pretty interesting person. Um, but uh, yeah, this is Boom Studios Maw art by A.L. Kaplan. Oh, I
2: um, get the shotgun! Sorry.
0: Did you just did you so, just make a ma like a ma like I said, ma, ma get the shotgun like uh you know the Beverly Hillbillies yeah oh yep. Roman <laughs> I love you
2: so that was actually granny so okay all
0: right um yeah we got a this is oh. ma like a mouth like an opening exactly yeah. I think an opening is yeah the big the big metaphor there um we've got a kind of you know, I started watching a show called Top of the Lake just recently. Has anybody watched that? Mm-hmm. I
1: remember when it was coming out. I wanted there's, to. There's but...
0: uh, there's some aspects of this that overlap with that story, but we've got kind of a just cult, a not cult group of women, um, you know, worshiping the female power deity that is in all women, and it's got some cult aspects and two sisters that are headed out to check it out one is jaded about it and one is not jaded about it and the one that's jaded is like i'm gonna go get a drink at a bar someone take me to a bar before i'm actually gonna be around this kind of thing and um she gets drugged and raped and we find out that she had been uh, the victim of some similar type of abuse younger in her life and uh sam just brought me a wonderful cocktail that we've been brewing for several days thank you sam um and this uh yeah this you know that's a brief summary of it colette i want to hear your thoughts on it because you
1: let roman talk
2: first <laughs> okay cool roman you get into it buddy
0: um i really
2: like this i mean it's it's i, I mean it's a horrible thing rape of course is a horrible thing but i like stories where a woman gets horrible bloody revenge on people for that um and there's a lot of weirdness to this there's some i mean That first page, there's hints that there's I don't know if it's somebody, I don't know if it's her or somebody becomes something more than human, some kind of monster transformation stuff. Not really sure yet, but uh there's some really interesting, scary, like body horror deep stuff going on here that we're gonna get into. Um and I like the dynamic between her and I don't remember if they're sisters or they're friends, but sisters sisters. that her sister like drug her to this retreat and she's so not into that kind of thing. Um, I like, I like that conflict right there. And the art is really cool.
0: Yeah. I like the art a lot in it as well. Glenn, I I know you pretty well, so I feel like I can <laughs> I get your feelings on this without even for sure knowing them yet.
1: Yeah. I just didn't really like it. I, I mean, I just, as a comic, I felt like it was disjointed in a way that I had trouble getting into and then, I don't know, there are aspects about it that are interesting. I, I am not down with the, like, surprise with the whole goddess feminine energy thing. Like <laughs> I, big time feminist, definitely, but I I don't know. It, it's just not really my jam. And then I just, I just get really tired of, and I get that this is probably doing something different with it. I just get really tired of stories about women finding their power having to be based on sexual assault and it's so prevalent in real life that I get that it should be prevalent in media too but I so I I just it's such a trope and it's such a so often degrading to the women it's supposedly empowering because I think it it um can so often perpetuate a inherent victimhood that women have to overcome when being regularly victimized does not make you inherently a victim. And um, so I just tend to not get into this stuff. Um, I don't know. It just didn't, there wasn't anything interesting enough to me to get me past that that's just not a story I care to read unless it's doing something really different or really fascinating with it. And um, yeah.
0: I super agree with what you're saying um and it even kind of goes back to like the last time you were on the podcast two weeks ago we were talking about pirate queen yeah and that, had, that had a similar vibe in it as well which is you know like you know while totally different uh it's also that kind of like disney movie kids losing their parents tragedy thing like on some mm-hmm. level it's like okay like here's a formula for a type of way to have an arc for a person and on some level it's it's easy and that's me being a guy not having you know the same uh you know relationship with feeling you know a part of that yeah group not that it's exclusively a thing that is females no, that experience no. that but um but yeah I I could see you know for for that it yeah you know I was like oh wow she's getting drugged and raped bummer oh shit it's happened once before oh fucking like cops suck and like that sort of wallowed in in that that grossness but that being said, I did think it was paced well. And the insidious nature of this cult, like on the one hand, it seems like maybe they're the good thing. And like through this cult, she's gonna be able to get a revenge on men, but it actually seems like the cult is evil. And, um, you know, there'll be victims through the cult as well. Like that, that part, I also just kind of like cult stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I, I did like it. I didn't love it, but I liked it um and my score for it would be around the eight roman please oh it's interesting because i think i mean i could be totally wrong but i think there's cl- little
2: clues in the art that i think and i'm hoping that this does something different than what we would expect like i think the cult i don't think they're evil i think they're just you know new agey and wrong mm. about mm. <laughs> uh femininity and the power within and all that and there's something darker and more primordial huh? to to plug another book um, about the real power that I can't remember the character's name that the main character is going to tap into, which we see on that first page, I assume. Um, At least that's what I'm hoping. I hope it doesn't just become like Colette's worry, the, the, you know, pretty basic story of this kind.
1: There's clearly going to be much more to this story than just like, it's going to go someplace interesting. This world building and everything doesn't seem like it's, you know, a yet another... Law and Order SVU just set in a beach cult this time, but um, but that just kind of was why for me I didn't engage with anything with it. Wow. Like I get some people really need to have to see regularly stories about people being hurt and oppressed to be able to actually get that it's real. But when it's something you've grown up with having to learn about and be aware of, it it's I don't need to read that. It's fine, yeah, and maybe, I just
0: maybe more yeah. resonant to maybe this is going to be a broad generalization, but maybe it's, and this is proven and disproven immediately by Roman, but um, maybe it's something that is uh, more meaningful to less empathetic people or like, you know, if, uh, which is to say that device in books being a thing that, you know, like if you haven't dealt with thinking about the pain that other people experience a lot, then having that violence and horrible situation shown to you maybe helps um, balance it out a little bit. But I also think that the internet just slowed down and I, don't know if everyone's going to be okay
2: uh, oh, row.
0: sorry my internet connection was unstable okay, there so for a far. second okay cool Whew. they
1: sounded great to me yeah,
0: yeah okay.
2: it
1: fascinating sound interrupted
2: but... at all okay i'm really I... curious about these weird little figures that aren't at first they aren't venus de willendorf or whatever <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong about that term colette but those little carved goddess figures they aren't those they're something much much creepier
0: yeah, yeah. I, the the thing that interested me at the end and what i was trying to say is that roman is empathetic by saying that um to be clear but <laughs> ah, um empathy. but when it's you know she says at the end my sister was wrong this place wasn't home this place was a black hole a doorway to the bottom of the ocean the abyss um and we wouldn't see home again i'm like oh gosh okay yeah let me know more about this cult i like a bad cult Is there such a thing
2: as a good cult? It's a good question. We can talk about cults. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I
0: think that on some level, there's a good aspect to most cults or else people wouldn't join them. Um, But it's easy to, when you have a unilateral power structure like that, it's easy for, wow. Okay, sorry, comic books. Um, (laughs) So I gave my score. What was your score for this, you two beautiful people? Did you say
2: your score,
1: Clack? No, I gave it a six. Six? Yeah, I honestly didn't really like it as a comic as well as the story wasn't interesting to
2: me uh, I give, I gave it an upside down six which would be a nine <laughs> nice
0: yeah I I agree with Colette's statements about kind of the nature of those characters and the plot devices in it I did I would disagree I did like I, I did like the flow of it and I, I thought that that you know I, I don't know jude's work outside of comics but um he seems to have some proficiency at it so uh I would look forward to more things from them. Moving on to eating, banging, and killing. Um, this is a good this is a good yeah, yeah, not even a comic book. We're gonna talk about those three discrete ideas and then rate them. Um, we have Harley Quinn, the animated series, Eat, Bang, Can't Kill, written by T Franklin, art by Max Sarin. This is coming out of that Harley Quinn animated series that I have not watched. Um feed me your opinions on this and the cartoon show. Roman, go- I've
1: been hearing you gush about the cartoon oh. for quite a while. So you should yeah go for- I go get- I-
2: no, go ahead. You just started it, right?
1: Yeah, I just started this last week, um okay. a week ago. I'm like most of the way through the first season, really okay. liking it.
2: Yeah, and there's only two seasons, I think, or three. Mm-hmm. I forget. But I just watched I watched it all in the last month, um, because of the Suicide Squad movie. I didn't care about the cartoon, but I want to see more King Shark. So watch the cartoon. Oh yeah. And it's a fantastic cartoon. It's it's very smart and clever um and funny. Uh, there's running jokes with Bane cuz all the other supervillains pick on him and make fun of him cuz he's just basically a luchador like they always make give him a little crappy folding chair to sit on at the hall of doom (laughs) table and it always collapses and he's always i can't do his voice he's always like why do you do this to me (laughs) (laughs) and and you're just like oh poor bane um but they're really harley and ivy's relationship and it grows over the two seasons um and it's it's funny to say this about this kind of cartoon but it's very realistic because harley realizes way before ivy her feelings and ivy's in denial and she almost marries kite man because kite man's a, a character in it um and it's just great and this i don't want to say any spoilers but this first issue it continues like one scene later after the final scene of the last episode of the animated series <laughs> and it's pretty awesome i mean i don't know if it's this writer of the comic is a writer from the show or not but if not they definitely love the show and Voices and everything is just totally right on in keeping with the show.
1: Is, so I really like Franklin, it. the one that did um uh, Bingo Love or what was that book
2: called? Hmm. Oh, um, I remember that
0: the, book. Yeah,
2: yeah, Bingo Love. I, maybe. I think that might be the same writer. That sounds right. I have a copy somewhere. I don't know where it is, but yeah, that sounds right.
1: Yeah, I think that that was. I'm good old Google.
2: Yeah, yeah. um You you would enjoy the cartoon too, Jeff. It's just yeah. It's just very clever. I mean, James Gordon in it. He's he's another. His wife has left him, and he's sad, and he's he wants to be friends with Batman so desperately that Batman's just like, yeah, no, um, we're, we're we're work buddies. That's it. And, and Gordon is just. he ends up living in Barbara's college dorm room because his life is so shitty and
0: (laughs) that all that stuff sounds like a lot of fun and I like that take on it I I think some part of me is still kind of annoyed that like Harley Quinn has been changed so much as a character but I think that's totally allowed and I I guess I'm more curious about Colette's take on that specific idea Mm. um because I know she loves old Harley as well but this seems like a pretty good spin on new Harley
1: yeah I um Uh, t franklin did do bingo love um and uh i yeah i just started watching the show because our um our wonderful good friend kira uh had commented that um that it was her replacement for uh for venture brothers since that was ended and i was like oh (laughs) that sounds like something i would watch um and it it very much has that feel uh but um Yeah, I don't know. I I really like I've been really liking the show. The I had a little bit of a hard time with the comic just because it does build off the show. And since I'd just been watching it, I was like, oh, I don't know about that yet. Oh, I haven't watched that part yet. And I think if I hadn't watched any of it, it would have been more enjoyable, or if I'd finished it. But being just a little way in. Um, but I really I think that the Harley that they've built for the show is seems, at least to me, like the right mix of the juggalette modern Harley and old school classic gangsters mall Harley. Yeah. Yeah. I just,
0: sorry, Roman, please. No, I'm just
2: totally agreeing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I just miss those like Batman, the animated series, kind of like more criminal Harley, but that's, Uh, you know.
1: That's definitely this Harley. Yeah, she's, she's, very she's not hero criminal. Harley. She's <laughs> doing everything she can to out villain Joker and be the make yeah. it in the at least the part that I'm watching. Just the, the doom and
0: I guess mean I mean criminal by like I mean she's very zany in this, and not yes. that she wasn't zany in other stuff, but um like zany with an exponent. And I don't necessarily love that, but it's also based on a cartoon show. I have a s- s- nitpick of this that really annoyed me um and I haven't watched the show but the writer there are pages where like Harley says the word I've like three times on the same panel line like it was just like okay so she says her name a lot and she says the abbreviation of a lot but can we can we like diversify the name a little bit just like um yeah just sorry for the mess I've I really was expecting any company holy shit I've did you know Tani what so I've 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 and I was like oh my god stop saying I've so much like we get it you're talking to poison ivy like <laughs> it, it was just uh it, it was a very asinine like thing that I kept being like wow I can through the book I was like I've read the word I've a lot as a like a nickname I just not used to Reminded me of like 50s comics when they were like, or like not 50s, but old <laughs> comics where they were like very purposefully make sure the reader knew who they were talking to all the time.
2: Yeah. I noticed that too. I, I think I took it as maybe I just totally filled in the blanks on my own, but I was, I was, took it as like maybe that's showing a little bit of Harley's um, insecurities here. Because, and again, unfortunately, I mean, if you haven't seen the show all along, I mean, she's been sure at least the last half of the last season about her feelings for poison Ivy. And, you know, they have some encounters, um, the poison Ivy has been, and including in this issue, poison Ivy is, you know, not quite sure, not as, not as sure about this as Harley is plus Harley is her personality. She's so, I don't know what she'd be diagnosed as, um, but she's, she's definitely wants this to work. That's, I really like
0: their relationship in this.
2: Yeah. And in the show, the way it builds up and the fact that, oh, you know, one surprising thing about the show that really surprised me. It's also very, speaking of criminal stuff, it's very violent and surprisingly bloody <laughs> various mm-hmm. times. And usually because of something Harley's done. And in the show, Ivy is the one that's like, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody. I, I'm an eco-terrorist but, or eco-lawyer, um, but she doesn't really consider herself a super Yeah, villain. there's a
1: lot of... um <laughs> I mean, if fighting to protect the environment makes you a villain kind of things. And yeah, I really like the show. They also use swear words. Yeah, the first couple
0: pages of this are filthy. like Yeah, cursing, it's violent. Like, yeah,
1: for the show, which it actually yeah. felt to me. I was like, there's supposed to be more swearing coming out of these characters. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I enjoyed this more because I'm enjoying the show. Um, I can't, I don't really know about it as a comic because I was very much able to read it as the voices from the show.
0: I will watch the show. I will watch it. Where is it available? Where are you guys HBO. watching it? Okay, yeah, that's all the DC stuff there. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. She doesn't super interest me as a character in this modern Last fifteen years or so, but uh, um, I have not heard nothing but positive things from the two of you. So I will definitely give the show a look. As a comic book, I gave it a six point five, but I know that I I don't mean to be negative, and I support everyone's positivity. That's
1: I gave it a seven, I, okay. and I think it's up from a six and a half because I had the voices right in my head the way it's supposed to be. Or
2: yeah, and I gave it. I I, I joked said ten earlier. I actually gave it a nine or nine and a half because yeah, the voices are there, and this the show and this comic are the first times i've enjoyed harley and i don't know however long it's been 15 years whatever and i don't know if they did this in the comics but i think in the show at least harley at least makes a mention that she changed her look so much because the Joker's the one that put her in that, just her outfit. Mm. Yeah, it's
1: in the first episode. She like oh. goes for it. And then in like the second episode or the third, Zeus makes it like she's in the audience at a seminar oh, he's yeah. doing and he's, she's like going to ask a question and he's like, yes, the juggalo in the front. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I always call her. <laughs> um,
0: okay, no more spoilers about the show because all of that is good stuff and I want those beats to hit me. Um, but I, I love to hear that um and that is clever writing as a way of like we've got to do something to justify her not being that anymore and that that's that's good writing for it so mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take some time for you two to talk about Pennyworth one and two or just issue number two. I can't remember if we talked about number one on the podcast, but um, I love to hear that there's positive things going on with Pennyworth. So please take it away. You two juggalettes.
1: Don't you dare call
2: me that.
0: Oh, you are clearly a juggalette and you come <laughs> into the shop and you look like it and you seem like it. And above all else, you smell like it. Oh.
2: ICP all the way. Oh, <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> My two buddies. <laughs>
1: so as far from uh juggalos as you can get let's talk about pennyworth um butlers and classic english spies uh i'm i'm loving this but i'm also a giant bond fan and i Mm. love a good gentleman spy story uh so this has been hitting me right in the right spot
2: i don't know about you Romy, but yeah yeah it has it's um I guess this is another This is another series. It's the first issue. I was like, okay, I'll read this, but I'm, I'm almost hoping it's not good because mm-hmm. I don't want to get sucked into a new series, but it was great. And yeah, I guess I wasn't quite expecting it would be so charmingly Bond-like, but the charming, the really charming stuff about Bond, not the, you know, the not the 70s Bond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what Bond should be. And it's really, en- I, I thought, you know, a good writer always surprises you. And at first I thought, well, flashback stories about, young alfred before he met bruce or before he met thomas Wayne, i guess um how interesting could that be and it's and it's really freaking interesting
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. and i love the like i actually kind of don't really care and couldn't give you anything beyond the broad strokes of the main mission that alfred is on with um i'm spacing on her name right now but the uh shirley the girl he grew up with who's yeah. from the house that he was learning to butler at with his dad and um you know they're on this like a bond story they started on one mission and then ended up hopping a ship and going to a different one and following the clues and they're finding these super soldiers that are being built but but it's all the banter between them and it's like all the best of bond and money penny but in the field and yeah. so charming and just perfect and yeah and they're and
2: they're oh go ahead
1: i just was going to say it's just really an enjoyable read because the the dialogue and the characters other than him trying to hear them having him claim that he coined the phrase no shit Sherlock in the middle of a like underground ice cave with no one around to hear it um yeah, but was, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah but otherwise it's been great and I like I'm really liking the stuff of him as a little boy learning uh the intricacies of being a butler and how much it actually applies to being a spy and being able to kind of see therefore all the things that he taught Bruce that are actually based on things he learned about how to be a butler
2: yeah I love that adding that whole thing about his dad teaching him how to be an excellent spy through the the art of butlery um, that's that's so original and creative and it's so much better than just somebody simply doing a story oh young Alfred yes he was a he was a spy and not and just going surface level with that but actually working in his his like I guess um, day job career Mm -hmm. (laughs) into his into his spy background and vice versa I love that
1: Um, yeah they've done a really good job too of keeping the three separate timelines very separate I haven't had any page where I'm like oh wait which which direction we did we just go wait what's happening with this one yeah yeah in the modern times with him tied up not sure where he is is i think the most forgettable thing but i think that's just because there isn't much hap- that needs to happen there until i'm guessing further in the story so, no
2: so, though in this issue when he somehow frees himself from the handcuffs he's tied up with his handcuff by his back and somehow he breaks the cuffs i was like and they don't bother explaining how alfred did that i was like i want to know how he did that
1: yeah just that he's that much of a badass that he can break some handcuffs yeah
2: and i, and I do like you said i love him and shirley's relationship it, being co-spies and it's unlike in the bond movies alfred is they're totally equal she's Mm -hmm. better at some things than he is and and he loves that they had a line somewhere in this about in his narration where he's he was like you know we were always had a little flirtation going on even in the midst of all this danger and everything and and that just heightened the flirtation and and then they move on to the mission he doesn't dwell on that or have some big dumb seduction scene Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah it's, it's, a great, it's a great series and, mm-hmm. and I'm you know like a lot of people I'm sure all of us still mad they killed Alfred and looking forward to they bring him back somehow <laughs> some way but for, until then we have got this great series mm-hmm.
1: yeah well, I, this you? this is making the most of an Alfred prequel series it could just be a boring straightforward by story that has no long-term consequences but there yeah. it's a lot of character building and I, I really like it
2: yeah and do you know i mean is this coming out because of the tv show which i don't even know is that that is that still on
1: oh i have no idea
2: <laughs> uh, i've never seen it i don't know if it's any good
1: yeah i forgot that was a thing <laughs> <laughs> no idea but um but i'm glad they're putting this out i'm really liking yeah. it so yeah. whatever yeah. the inspiration it's good and i'll take a Fornas cover Oh, yeah. It sounds like I think it was <laughs> Roman
0: who just said, but yeah, it sounds like they're making the most out of an Alfred prequel comic, or maybe that was Cliff that just said that. But that's a that's a great line about it. And did you guys yeah. drop scores?
2: No, Romy, what did you give it? Gave it a I it a nine point five. Though I could even I could go a ten with this one too. <laughs> wow, I mean, cool. it's a it's a great book.
0: <laughs> it's on I, my lap because it's on everything. <laughs> it is the omni lap.
2: <laughs> I, I I had more fun reading this issue than I did, you know. Rorschach or Wakanda the last two books I read today
0: wow
1: um, I gave it a seven and a half <laughs> but I really yeah you know, I'm really enjoying reading it it's just not fine art <laughs> to me I, th- I think you but know God start... I love when you love a comic Roman it makes me every time my score goes <laughs> up at least a half a point and then I feel a little like man I
2: should have given it a higher score <laughs> Really, I, I realized tonight that I I'm starting to wonder am I scoring am I enjoying and scoring comics even a little higher? I think because, because, because I don't know, like today we had free Smithsonian day at the museum where people register online, they can come in free. it's like one of our busiest days of the year. Um, And a part of me is like, am I enjoying comics even more because the real world is so at best, like low level nerve wracking all the time. Mm. And so am I escaping into comics and enjoying it even more? because I can't wait to get home and ensconce myself in my apartment and just escape into comics.
0: <laughs> That's a great, great point. I, I think there's probably something to that. Um, yeah.
1: I'm having the opposite problem, but when I do have something that I love, then it makes me yeah. go even more for it because it I actually was, managed to, the most stuff I'm overly critical right now. because,
0: As it. with many boats, I feel like Colette and I are in that same one together. Um, because yeah, it's it's sort of like everything is so bleak and now I'm reading this book and I want it to be better because shit is, I, you know, but um, I do think there are some things that I'm Able to be finding even more enjoyment in because things are so bleak. So I, yeah, I think it's probably music and documentaries have been a thing that mm. that for me uh, escapism. Windows into a different time. Speaking of windows into a different time, Hellboy and the BPRD, 1957, Family Ties. This is by Mike Mignola with art by Chris Roberson, kind of a staple in the Hellboy uh, book world. I just want to mention it briefly because I try to do this with Hellboy books. I've not read the main Hellboy series. I've read the very beginning of it. And then I just try and read the like one shots and mini series that come out if they're short. Because I think that Mignola writes really great one shots for Hellboy. Um, And this one I think is an amazingly paced, super atmospheric, great Hellboy story that isn't even super about Hellboy. It's just Hellboy and... Um, his sidekick looking for a house because this book that has probably come up in a different series somewhere has been published that shouldn't be published because it's apparently the equivalent of giving a kid, you know, dynamite and they go to a couple houses and by sunset, his partner's got a sixth sense about being able to sense not, you know, things that are not right. And they go to this house and, it's just this woman who's like, "Oh my god, you've got to help me!" And just some horrible shit is happening in her house, and it sounds like her mother is just like terrible. And they so they go in, and Hellboy starts looking around the house while she's talking to his partner Chang, and uh, she's just saying like, "Oh yeah, like my poor husband." And then like Hellboy like goes in a room upstairs and sees like this dried corpse of a man, and like. You know, she's like, oh, yeah, my wa- my mom's always saying these horrible things to my son, like his manners are bad. And then Hellboy, like opens a door and the son is like got Neo Matrix mouth where the lips are fused together. And um, and then it ultimately climaxes in this great demon possession scene. Um, the art is fantastic. And like I said, it's just paced really well. And it's kind of all dealing with this undercurrent of like we don't really ever know what's happening on the you know inside of a family unit. And you know it's kind of the the metaphor they're exploring there and it's it's just haunting and creepy and you know kind of like seven or something you're just like oh god these like the art is very grotesque at times and um i i don't know much about the overarching hellboy mythos and i would kind of like to but i almost like because i don't know anything about that the idea of the mini series and main story intimidate me where it's these one shots and these, you know, two or three issue mini series, I think just like they do a great job of taking what is great about Hellboy and putting it. So if you've ever been curious about Hellboy, or you like Hellboy, and you're not reading these, I would highly recommend they've been popping out these Hellboy and the BPRD year stories. And they're just kind of moments from the history of Hellboy. And if you've never given Hellboy a shot, uh, pick one up because it's, you don't need to know anything, I'm telling you I haven't read the main stuff, but you can really enjoy it. So uh, I gave this one a nine as well. So just really well placed. Mike Mignola knows how to write comics and he is going to be writing and drawing a Hellboy book for the first time since Hellboy and Hell, which was quite a few years ago um, that was just announced recently. So very good stuff. Buddies, do we have anything else we need to tackle on here? Oh, Fantastic Four. Shit, I didn't have it in my stack. (laughs) Fantastic Four, life story number four. Mark Russell on the book. How was that? I I just, similar to what Colette and I were talking about is the last life story book I read was really depressing. So I've been kind of waiting for this thing to be collected because I like, I'm a little worried about a depressing book. And it does seem like it's being kind of depressing, but that also doesn't mean it's not incredibly high caliber.
1: I I mean, I, I think I'm on record of no, as knowing very little about the Fantastic Four. I'm loving this. This is so great. And this one, as the 90s had, was a lot more of a positive sense to it. Even though things should do, do go wrong, um, it definitely had more of a, um, a hopefulness to it. Yeah. Um, Roman, I'm going to throw it over to you to actually oh. give the, the rundown since you have a better grasp um. of,
2: of all this than I do. I did love it and I I I don't have that one in front of me either because we were so low on it. I returned my copy.
1: Um selfish me, I have it.
2: <laughs> but it was, I mean the whole series has been great, but it was more definitely more hopeful than the previous issue, which was super depressing. Good, mm-hmm. but super depressing. Um, in this one, Galactus is finally, well, they say is about to approach Earth, but then later they say, Oh, but it's still he's still 10, it's still 10 years away. It's like, oh geez, come on. Um but Galactus is getting closer. Reed's finally like finished his like Galactus defense shield or whatever it's going to be. Um, some things are looking up soon. Namor broke up. Maybe there's a hope, a glimmer of hope that Reed and her could get back together. And and there's just some more positivity, Ben, I think, in this issue meets Alicia for the mm-hmm. first time.
1: Yep, they fall
2: in love. Yeah, and that's great because earlier in the issue, he like saw an old flame and just kind of told her to go away. Um, which at first, and that first part, I was like, oh, this is going to be another hard, sad issue. But no, no, things are, things are picking up.
1: I know. I love when he's walking around talking about why he loves the 90s that like, I like the 90s. Everybody dresses <laughs> like a dock worker. Hell, even <laughs> I'm back in style. And then like, he starts talking about how Reed finished his dis- defense system and uh, just after everything that happened in the last one, like everybody's come together and Reed finishes defense system and Stark stopped uh global warming and wakanda <laughs> cured aids and yeah. <laughs> which in 1994 my dad would have survived mm-hmm. um but uh it's just kind of like and then it was like oh dating sucks and then he meets alicia and uh and unburdens his soul about this terrible story from when he was in the korean war and she helps him through it and it's the great moment of reed waking up with his old man face and then he elastics back in place or (laughs) oh roman's frozen oh no that's why he's not talking
0: yeah he's frozen but he's looking erotic as shit look at that man there's a lot of people in this world who like you know ride the rails and look certain ways but he always looks like a silver mane fox even Mm -hmm. half mid-blink with a frozen screen yeah um we just got a text message from him that says my laptop just froze and it's trying to restart. Although he sent it to Django and I, not you. So take that, collect.
1: (laughs) Well, it's fine. I'm well on my way to, uh, turning into an insecure version of Django, which is still more
0: confidence than most anybody else. So (laughs) even an insecure Django is a well hung individual. Um,
1: well, anyway, this was great. Silver Surfer shows up, which I uh, have recently learned that I really like. Norn, so mm. uh, so this is it. Was it was a good issue? It like ends on a like a, duck, duck, duh. Oh shit! You know, which is how the '90s ended. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um,
0: fortunately, it's '90s are always sort of alive in comics.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are in the collections I look at every time. Yeah. I look the
0: show um roman was going to talk a little bit about sorry what was your score for it
1: oh i don't remember i liked it um it was something uh i gave it uh seven and a half but i'm gonna call it an eight now
0: i'm in a good mood
1: i'm in a better mood than i was
0: that's what happens when we're all like low self-esteem people get to buddy out with one another um and we're sort of there's friendship is a salve for the bad things that live in our heads
1: Mm -hmm.
0: um Django would fart right there
1: Oh yeah. Django fart.
0: Um, I miss them.
1: Well, while we're waiting for Roman to get back in to talk about the, uh, the anniversary one, since we are talking about comics that for those, for us who are critical of everything right now, anything that actually makes me want to read a comic happily is worth noting. I've been reading seven secrets. Issue 12 just came out this week and I would not have thought that I would love this book, but I fucking love this book. Um, just each issue never is a, um, some of them are, are not as, oh my God, that was so good, but they're never bad. Always a solid read. Um, this one, a lot of good stuff happened. Fucking Tom Taylor can always make you feel shit for characters that you wouldn't think that you would care anything about. And um, just a weird, cool world with a lot of emotion and interesting characters. And I think people, more people should be reading it if they're not. So go get
0: well, it. We don't have many people reading it. I'm a couple issues behind, but it is a book I love. It's like the best western manga i've read like it's paced like anime it's quick like it has every issue seems to have a cliffhanger um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's just there's a lot of kinetic energy within it big fan of that i don't have a like a ton positive to say about the eternals issue
2: yeah i don't either i mean it was cool but
0: it was cool, yeah. It's cool to get a kind of retelling of the origin of Thanos, but I also just I feel comfortable saying at this point I just don't really like hearing Dylan's writing very much.
2: oh I liked it. I mean I, I liked all the, the things that added to the Eternals mythos, but yeah, unless you're already into the Eternals, it seems like it was all pretty overloaded.
0: And I would like to be into the Eternals, but I don't there's Especially, a lot of words where I'm like, ooh, my brain just turned say, off.
2: When I went to that info dump page all in blue. Explaining yeah. their political differences. Yeah, I thought, oh, okay, no way, Jeff's going to read that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. That's cool. I'm proud of you. It took me two. It took me two different settings to read all that.
0: You know, it's not like honestly, I am more okay with full pages of text than I am with balloons that are filled with a ton of words. Like, mm. like to me, if it's like a page of text, like it's it is what it's supposed to be. It's a page of text. To me, when it's like really overfilled balloons, it feels like unless it's obviously good writing, it feels like not very succinct or well done writing is is Mm -hmm. the thing. So I I, yeah, yeah, um, you know, that's me in text dump. But again, I've created a lot of misconceptions about my relationship with the number of words in a book. And it's only made people confused about what I actually mean by it. I've (laughs) spent the last two years trying to correct what I've addressed on the podcast with that. So.
1: I don't mind as many words as you want to put, as long as they have a purpose yeah. and aren't there just simply to be there.
0: I think that when you have a ton of words and balloons on a page, a, a lot of times, yeah, it seems like not super well done writing, but sometimes it is very well done writing and those are great, you know, like Hickman and Morrison can do that really, really well. Kieran Gillen. Uh, yeah. Has yeah. things.
1: Yeah. Gillen it seems like doesn't think or thinks that he's he's lost that that fight and that i've got something to prove
0: <laughs> yeah
1: kind of thing it seems like i don't know i like his stuff better when he's doing stuff just for the fun of it
0: right things and not like, like young avengers and yeah even, or even divine, his silly extent.
1: stuff like uber or, or no it wasn't uber yeah um, but
0: he did that which was no, it was
1: uber yeah yeah like just i don't know just do something stupid and fun and where things blow up or yeah. just total young kid soap opera
0: um you know who knows how long the computer thing will take for roman so i feel okay if we close this out and hopefully we'll hear about that big anniversary issue for fantastic four next week with roman written by dan slott um Mm -hmm. but you know colette it's just you and i staring at a sun (laughs) slowly going out at the end of a universe together i'm glad to be here with you or else i'd be alone
1: oh I always am happy to be here with you. So thanks for having me on. Oh
0: god, you're you're a part of well, no one's having you at this point. You're a okay, soul, you're okay. a, you have a you're a stakeholder in this thanks for being podcast so, that we have.
1: Thanks for being so patient for all the times that I can't make it on. How's well, that?
0: back at you <laughs> for when we have to change the schedule around. Um I want to do another big thank you for Andrew, uh the oh. official editor on this podcast. You're amazing and that really is a a huge burden removed from my life because I love podcasting, but I as I get busier and busier. It's been harder and harder to, uh, make time to do that on that note. I want to give a shout out, uh, to Will Elmer, uh, the co-host for Ted last bros. We recorded our second episode that's in this main podcast feed. And I hope within the next week, Django will help us set up a separate podcast feed for that one. So if we've gotten anybody hooked on the show or that podcast, uh, you'll be looking to transition to that podcast feed We'll let you know when that happens, though. In the meantime, we'll just keep putting them up on this podcast feed. But that's been a ton of fun. Ted Lasso, so good. Colette, are you watching Ted Lasso?
1: No, I keep forgetting to log on to your uh, Apple TV account so I can actually see it.
0: Colette. You I know, know I, I start podcasts for no reason at all, but uh, <laughs> that one is worth starting a podcast over. And I'm when excited. you watch it, you know what? This is great. Actually, I just had an idea. Yeah, I just had an idea because when this can season I be a last laugh, bro? <laughs> yeah, when this season ends, we're gonna go back to the beginning of the series and be recording episodes from the very beginning. Oh! But that oh, way yeah. we'll actually be kind of synced up to your first time through. So we'll have you on with Will and I, and we'll be able to talk about a first pass on your Ted Lasso Mwah. watch. So chef's kiss. I love it.
1: I, I am constantly like, God, I don't have the time to do an episode by episode or issue by issue thing with Jeff, but boy, do I want to, what would it be? What would That it be fucking that guy
0: do? just records podcasts <laughs> compulsively, even when he doesn't have time to edit them. Um, all right. Well, on behalf of Roman and Jeff, Aww. Uh, we'll be signing off here. Colette can say her own goodbye because she's here.
1: I'm Colette. Thanks for listening to me. Yay.
0: You're oh, wonderful. I love listening to you. Um, you can drop us an email at jeff at comicsplace.com. That'll get on the podcast. Um, we got an email from Brian Garside to our email today, but it was about Ted Lasso. So I'm going to put that on our next Lasso cast. Um, a big, yeah, just a big thank you for everyone listening and supporting us. Drop a rating if you haven't. Although I bet if you're one of the people listening at episode 240, you've probably done your your hand, fair share of work. So thanks for proselytizing, telling people about it, and continuing to listen and come into our store. Uh, we keep doing it because we love comics and each other. So, we'll see you all next week for episode 241. I bet Roman will have been back at that point. Oh, just a second. He's back. Let's let him say goodbye with us. Just a second, everybody. Just a second. He's coming in now. A- Andrew, thanks for editing our awkward silence out. There he is, a- We What's just,
1: your score uh, for Life Story?
0: Yeah, Fantastic Four Life Story. What was your score? <laughs> um, what was score? Oh, it was a 10. Mm. And You just hustled your butt off to get on here, but we just did all of our closeout, sign off, um, and everything, but we literally have not finished yet, so do you want to just drop your score really quickly for Fantastic Four, 600th anniversary, and 60th anniversary, issue 35? Yeah, issue 35, Legacy, issue 68, 60th anniversary.
2: Um... It was an
0: 8.5 hell yeah 8.5 oh,
2: had a really good uh framing device involving kang and and the different versions of kang including a whole brand new future future
0: version of kang <sighs> i fucking oh. love kang so that's a you should read one it for me like cool. my, my cat is scraping at the door to get in here right now I'll let um him. what's that i'll let him in oh wow. oh and
2: mark wade wrote a backup where he he redoes retells their origin story, but he kind of focuses on um, the trauma they each had to deal with mm. once they crashed back on Earth. Because they always focus on the things trauma, but all of them had trauma. Especially right. Johnny, because he's on fire and he can't control it, and he's worried he's going to incinerate anybody and anything that comes near him. So he's freaking out.
0: <laughs> um, well, that's Papcast two hundred and forty. I'm Jeff. <laughs> I'm Colette. I'm Roman. Hey, guys, I was thinking about something. What's that? I was thinking about how Roman left the podcast and he came back, you know, he was gone. He came back. did
2: that iOS update. and can't do a thing with it.
0: And kind of like Johnny Storm's trauma, not trauma, but um, every time I see Roman, I kind of emotionally burst into flames in a really positive way. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious out there, all you listeners, tell me your best uh, Roman reveal story. When was just tell me your your story of like that? Oh, that the best time that Roman came into a room or you came into a room and saw Roman, you know, just that that moment. Everyone has those moments where like their whole life is engulfed in flame because he is just like a star in and of himself. Uh, That was
1: when Roman first tried on the uh, jumpsuits for our uh, free comic book day.
0: <laughs> that was had good. all
1: that chest hair popping out or this
0: sex dress or any number of things he lights our heart on fire and we love it i want to hear your roman stories for episode 241 everyone your roman stories i'm going to get mine together and tell you all next time we'll see you next week my
2: God.